0: On today's episode, Dave interviews Jeff Mahalski. Jeff is a stage and film director and an alumni of the Second City, where he was fundamental in building their famous Second City ETC theater. Jeff is also a teacher and a writer, and with his wife Jane Morris, run Los Angeles' Fanatic Salon. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy.
1: That was built out for Paul, for Paul Sills and Story Theater. Right. Uh, at least initially, mm-hmm. and then they put some more money in there for the practical, and that's why the stage is kind of cockeyed. Right, it's such, it's my favorite space. Yeah, it's my favorite space anywhere. Yeah, I love it because you're surrounded. You don't have to play broadly at all. Right. Everybody gets everything.
2: You're and you're right there in the shit.
1: Yeah, you're the shit, and and I and it's form follows function.
2: So so many times the scenes have. The space has determined the scene, mm-hmm. you know, and it just opens it up to so much. I, is it still like that? It's got, It's like a prow of a ship,
1: right? Yeah, the shape is still there. They've expanded the sides a little bit. Right. Stylistically, they lean toward musical comedy performance, mm-hmm. which I think is the norm these days. Uh, what do you mean by that? I mean that we used to do kind of internal scenes. Right and uh, they go on for however long they want. And we had presentational stuff too, but a good chunk of it was uh, me and you talking and right. or playing in some scene. And now people turn to the audience and they announce to them what it is they're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're taking all the shortcuts that were created in David Shepard's time dashes with the Improv Olympic. Right. And suddenly all those, that you've seen it, because you've done it too, I've done it, this the slap clap so you really don't have to play a scene or or you're just extending uh, the history of the performers because someone started talking about history
2: oh you're 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 you're, is a tag out
1: tag out right yeah it's a tag out but he called it time dash right the
2: the beginning right yeah so Um, you studied with you studied with David did you study with David
1: uh, he stayed at my house He stayed at your <laughs> I also just directed him in a film uh, And how was he to work with? He was uh, excellent he's, so, he's
2: a million years old
1: Yeah, he was afraid I think at first And uh, he didn't remember me mm-hmm. And uh, I spent the day in his hotel Where, of, This is in New York? Yeah, uh-huh. talking to him and In his the, hotel? Yeah What do you mean his hotel? Well we got him a hotel to stay Okay by. It's not that he's living in a No, he's not. He lives in Connecticut. Right. And uh, I told him, look, I can see you don't trust me, and I think that's a good thing. Right. (laughs) So especially since the uh, interview was kind of a, it wasn't a hostile interview. We made him the head of a a financial firm in New York, Mm -hmm. and we got a great space, a law office right above Times Square, and I set him right in front of all the signs, And uh, he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. How much acting does he do? I
2: mean, probably none. I don't even. I don't look at him as an actor.
1: I don't know, but he was good.
2: I'm sure he was good. I'm not saying he does. He what? He didn't deserve it or Mm. anything like that. When you think about David Shepard, you just think about what he's organized, not what he's not the actor.
1: But but when we're doing our best work, do we look like actors? I understand. Yeah. Right. I understand.
2: Yeah. Uh, do we look like actors? But I, I just, when I think about David, I, j- I don't think of him on stage. I think of him off stage mm. looking at on stage. Right. Not that I've ever
1: worked with him. Well, I typecast him. I mean I made him the head of everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was brilliant and his observations are just spot on and really that's what I depended on upon a lot of people in the film. Was it, was it what's the name of the film? False Prophet. And is it improvised? 99%. Uh Uh-huh. Who's in it? Dave Pesquese, Mm -hmm. Susan Messing, Mick Napier, Jody Lennon, Paul All these people came out to New York? No, no, I shot some some of it here. I had two days here. Here or in Chicago? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Two days in Los Angeles. Most of it was shot in New York, but I shot in Chicago, too. Right. So I got Nate Herman in Chicago. I got Pesquese in Chicago. I got Napier and Susan in Chicago. (laughs) I got Jody Lennon in New York. I got Soren McCarthy, who was fabulous
2: was he good fabulous
1: good 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 Uh, Danny Passer Cirque du Soleil master Danny Passer I know that name you of course you do because well one thing he was in that uh, Servant of Two Masters show I did at the Bergamot I don't know if you saw that no I didn't see that but he also was I think he was in the Los Angeles touring company for that short brief time that they existed that's probably where I saw him yeah Uh, at the Mayfair at the Mayfair yeah Yeah. in Santa Monica but he's also a Cirque clown and a spectacular one Mm -hmm. headlined their show that they did in Moscow it's him and Wayne Wilson who are tremendous improvisers in their own right
2: Jeff look at all the fucking people we know yeah yeah. I mean I'm not just talking about the amount of people I'm not talking about the amount of people I know. I'm just talking about look at the
1: talent that we know. Yeah and, they, and I, listen I would have had you in the movie too. It's, it, the guys that I worked with would not let me cast it until the last moment. Uh-huh. So basically on this last round I had to call George two days before we, George went.
2: Yeah, You know what? Jane sent me an email right. saying oh you're going to be in Jeff's movie. Yeah. And I had no idea what she was talking about. <laughs> well,
1: because I was going to put everybody in it. Right,
2: right, right. Is Jane in it? Yes. Of course she's in it. Right. Jane,
1: Jane Uh, uh And also uh, Fred Kaz is in it. Mm-hmm. And Harry Murphy does what he does best in it
2: sing, improvises, Sing. Make, a song, <laughs> Make a
1: song across <laughs> the spectrum of, of financial theory. He improvises it. Yes. Brilliant. I, I try to use people in what they do best. Right a passer I used as a physical entity I made him the financial risk officer mm-hmm. at the uh, financial corporation that brings on the economy mm-hmm. and because the scheduling was so bizarre we only had him that day and that uh, that was often the case and I really wanted to take advantage, advantage of his physic how physical he is so mm-hmm. I, I made him a financial risk officer who takes no risks so he has no furniture in his office. No, he's never there when <laughs> anybody else is there. And I used him to do the geography of the, uh, the, the space. In, it, with, with dialogue? Uh, yeah, he does some dialogue, but mm-hmm. a lot of it's uh, uh, the stuff I use him for Pantomime? It would be him walking down an office and noticing the camera and diving under a desk. Got it. Into another room. Got it. So, knowing that I would have other people in there, when I got people in there, I had them walk out of the spaces that were adjacent to the ones that he walked by Mm -hmm. with the same camera position. Got it. So that…
2: When you did have those people. Right.
1: Right. So that they would, you know, we could cut it so we see Danny, then Mm -hmm. we have someone peer out and look around and no one's there, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, it was fun because everybody's so good. Everybody's so good. Yes. And why is everybody so good? How did everybody get so good? Because I'll tell you why. Because not only were they exposed to improvisation, they were exposed to theatrical experience to some extent, too. Uh, We're talking
2: these people's history. Yes. Right.
1: Either through Second City or through The Annoyance or uh, some other entity. Mm -hmm. And uh, the shorthand wasn't as prevalent as it is now.
2: The shorthand is so prevalent now, and I think yeah. that in the shorthand, uh, uh, and I, and again, I, I, I don't want to be the guy who's screaming out the old man screaming outside the window, mm-hmm. get off, kids, get off my lawn. But in that shorthand, we're shortchanging some information. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And That's... I
2: feel like when you were when you were my teacher, and when when you were my teacher, and when you were all these all these improvisers. Uh, that we've worked with, these actors that we've worked with, there's an acting background that you have Mm -hmm. that you passed on to all of us. Because when I think about the work that I've done with you and the classes that I've been with you, it's always been about the acting. And when I look at your work with Jane in ETC, uh, I think of the characters and the slowness and the acting and the scene work and the fearlessness that came from all of that, that I think nowadays, and the toothpaste is out of the tube, um, but nowadays, there's, there, there, that's lacking. And, and again, it's just the way that
1: it is. It's a, it's a model, is what it is. So, uh, and this happens with all institutions, and uh, is they create a kind of uh, system of how to get people on stage and in the door in whatever, four weeks. So you're saying it's economics? It's, it, it's yeah, it's, a, it's economic models. Right. And uh, it's, uh, I, don't, I also don't want to uh, discredit any of those, those groups because they do a great, great service. There's great people involved with them, UCB, I.O. Uh, people have had tremendous uh, training in those uh, uh, spaces. Um, but the guys that you see at the, the vanguard of that, they all have a theatrical... Who are you, you talking
2: about when you say that?
1: Uh, Adam, uh, Adam McKay for I.O. Right. And, and Second City. Um, right. Uh, Ali at the pit. Ali Farnakian. Yes. Right. Great improviser. And also very theatrical in his, uh, his onstage approach. Tremendous theatrics on That's that. right. And so even those guys that started those entities have, have the same skill sets that we were exposed to. Right. There's a DNA thread that runs through all that. Right. And I think it's the economic aspects of putting together programs, keeping your uh, staff uh, paid in a particular manner, and that uh, forces even Second City forces them to create simplistic syllabuses that uh, mean that you can hand that syllabus off to anyone and, and, support, and they're, they're going to... Uh, start teaching that kung fu form right that particular form that they, that is idiosyncratic to to who they are right and they're, they're, it's not that the those approaches are wrong because if you look at both io and ucb the first breaking pattern or the first uh, mistake dell is in there his but we know that his thing was more expansive from that moment as opposed to? To the, the simplistic thing of, oh, you lied to me in the first scene, so every scene that we're in, you're going to be lying to. Got me. it, got it, right, right. It's got legs. Right. What Dell did, Dell has,
2: what Dell introduced has legs right. when we've got the time to explain that.
1: That's right. And, and they don't deal with the abstracts. So abstracts meaning, at Second City, it's what's the scene about? Right. right. And uh, for Dell, he would say that the uh, Context of the scene is within the response of the first player, right? So and then he also added, put that this is from uh, Stack Brian uh, stack put a video did a video. Yes, I remember
2: that uh, boy oh boy yeah. what, a, what a great piece that is to have well,
1: those guys are all tremendous people mm-hmm. and um, He says to treat the other uh, what the other player says as if you were paranoid and then he corrects it right away and saying I don't mean mentally ill paranoid, but whatever they're saying is uh, way deeper than they intended. Right. And you see that with Dave Pesquazy and myself and you and TJ right. is that whatever is said is bigger than... You really take it personally and, and nothing
2: means nothing.
1: Right. Yes. And they expand they expand every like John Cleese does in Faulty Towers they expand every word out to scatter uh, scattershot it just like you do at the beginning of a Herald right so that you just have this opportunity to walk down the lane and grab what you need its opening yourself up to everything that's out there to realize that there are no blinkers there are no
2: blinders everything is potentially grabable <laughs> and uh, fodder <laughs> and material and inspiration Right. right including the audience obviously absolutely and, and that's one of the things about ETC is the second city ETC space is how connected the actors are to the audience at that moment right. and because I can't tell you how many times we've been in that scene and when you're in the mix of the people over there it inspires your text.
1: Oh so they tell you right away if, right. You're, 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 heading, uh, you're, uh, if you're heading in the wrong direction and, and but then your training takes you to well I am and I will continue. <laughs> 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 until it, and, until this happens.
2: I remember a scene, and I don't know if you you ever saw it. There was a scene that um, uh, who was it? It was Scott Allman Ian Gomez, and I did where we played. Somehow Joyce got um, three because uh, she was always getting people donating mm-hmm. these things. Three yellow football helmets and we all put them on backwards and we did a scene where we were repairing a satellite outside so it was very slow motion i had a chair strapped to my back olman had a a, a a window fan that he plugged in on an extension cord that blew him away and there was a scene where and uh, and 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 he had a plunger in his pocket he had a plunger like like a like a dark in his belt mm-hmm. and we're improvising and Ian kind of floats away in that zero gravity, gravity type thing. We're like, oh, we're going. So Almond grabs the plunger and Ian's in the house and grabs the plunger in slow motion takes it. Someone in the audience grabs it, hands it to the person behind them, hands it to the person behind them, hands it to the person behind them. Ian grabs it, plunges it on the football helmet and almond mimes reeling him in. Mm -hmm. That is the connection that we have with the
1: audience and the audience feels because we're open to that that they're part of the process too. That's right. It's very did you ever see that Bobby McFerrin video where he's doing a TED talk and he just jumps from space to space, space and he cues the audience on the sound of the space and a note and he goes oh and when he's there they go oh and then he jumps over here then ah, he jumps back and oh, ah, oh. Uh-huh. then he jumps over to this space and he gives them the uh, the lower note ooh, and then he just starts playing in there. And then suddenly he jumps five spaces away, and the audience is all there with the note. <laughs> and it's because we're wired that way. We're pattern recognition machines, right? And that's 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 the beauty of the UCB and IO thing is that Dell did. He nailed that for them, the pattern recognition. Right. and uh, Nailed it being, meaning he, he identified it. Right.
2: Which made people, because once you identify it, it exists. Right. And once you go, oh my God, there's that thing. Right. I was feeling this way, now I'm feeling that way.
1: Right. Right. So, uh, and you saw that in some of the earlier I.O. heralds and the type of forms that uh, they invented and the way they responded to each other. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that and the language in the herald we were inspired by uh, jazz. Right. And in that sense, uh, the reason Paul hired Fred was because he was a jazz musician. Paul Sills. Yeah. And Fred is working with Dell in that, and I think all that stuff informs you the referencing and re referencing. The quoting, what they call in music quoting, is right. that what you're talking about? Yes. Right. Exactly. Or, it, you know, where the mistake is made, everybody plays the mistake?
2: Well, I think Thelonious Monk said, I don't make mistakes, I don't, I don't play the wrong note, I just justify the next one. Mm-hmm. Which is improvisation. Right. I sent you a thing this morning you didn't get a chance I to did I listened oh, did? to it the yeah. Charles Mingus Moaning yes oh I loved it I loved a Harold. I, it, really. I, I loved it and then what I did was I went to Spotify and I just checked out that Mingus I love Mingus mm-hmm. and some of those Mingus songs from uh, what's it called Blues and Roots mm-hmm. Blues and Roots from that one particular album Blues and Roots were songs that I've heard him play before but not in that in, in those incarnations right um, they seem to be more produced than than the rawness that it might have been played later
1: right right but there
2: is that structure that, and I remember when, uh, when I first saw a, uh, a jazz band, and I remember, oh, oh so I saw jazz, I heard jazz first, and then I got into improvisation second, and right. I'm like, wait a minute. This is the same fucking thing.
1: That's right. As is uh, view, for certain aspects of viewpoints, and uh, certain aspects of Meisner too. Right. They're all improvisational techniques. They have their uh, limitations in their presentation but when you start combining them and hybridizing them, you add to your repertoire in very expensive ways.
2: Uh, When did you get into Viewpoints? How did you do that? that?
1: I talked to you about it before you started uh, going around the country. Yeah. And I had done a a show at the uh, uh, Bergamot Station uh, with members of the Actors' Gang. Mm -hmm. And they hired me and Hamilton Camp Mm To come in because the group had a schism. Is Hamilton still alive? No, no, Uh, he died watering his garden, I believe. What a lovely way to go. Yeah. I (laughs) know. And and, you know, I wish I would say his proper name, which he. uh, Yeah. But.
2: uh, Well, my my folks knew him mm -hmm. from Chicago because he was uh, part of uh, Gibson and Camp. Right. And Bob Gibson was my dear family friends. Uh, brother-in-law. Yeah. So uh, Gibson and Camp. What is his name? Because he went uh,
1: B- Buddhist. Hamid. Hamid. Uh, no, no. Uh, it's uh, Islamic. Islamic. Oh, so he became an. He became Muslim. Yes. Uh, uh, he and Louis Arquette were. Uh-huh. I think I believe this is a story. They're on a commune somewhere on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And I think that Lewis intended to convert to Judaism. And when they got to New York or Lewis got to New York or something, this other thing became more convenient. <laughs> I mean, that's the story. Who knows if it's true or not. But, and so, Look at that
2: generation. Yeah. And
1: it seems to me that, that right now
2: you've got, um, uh, you've got another movie coming out about Ginsburg. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, what's his name? Uh, did from uh, Harry Potter. The actor.
1: Oh, uh, that kid that wears these glasses. Yeah, the kid that wears those glasses. <laughs>
2: um, but he's doing that, and and so so. And, but I think that there's a generation where Hamilton Camp and Severin Darden and Dell and, uh, and David Shepherd, like all those people, get there,
1: that movie needs to come out. That's right, and that movie should come out in their ter- their terms as opposed to what we, you know, we know the the deal with structuring film now, mm-hmm. and what it does is it eliminates the possibility for a full experience of... When you're saying structuring a film, you are talking about the financial structure of the film. Not just the financial structure, but the narrative structure uh-huh. of film. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, they did, recently did that on the road thing. Yes. Right? And did you I, see it? No. I haven't either. But I saw the trailers, and everybody was remarkably handsome and remarkably right. beautiful. and uh, <clears throat> it, it was presented... At, I think they had... Uh, a, a woman driving across country with them, and it it, it just it's it became a romantic kind of uh, three some kind of thing there, and it just it was like that be, that becomes a Hollywood narrative convention as opposed to relating the story. Right, what the, the characters that were within that story certainly on the
2: road. When I'm thinking about on the road, I don't, I don't ever think of it as. I mean it's not romantic at all. Yeah. It's not unromantic. No. I mean it's unromantic in that the war just ended and, and people are now out there going, What the fuck am I, what my life's about? People driving across country like madmen. Exactly. <laughs> right, 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 right. But living your life large right. in that way. Mm-hmm. But that but that narrative seems to be more of a European type
1: movie than it does an American type movie. Yes. So when we start talking about things like uh, beat Generation or jazz or anything like that We're not likely to have the full experience Unless we delve into And it, it exists, obviously we can go on YouTube And and experience A great deal of this stuff Right um, And also go to books and the like Right uh, But um, the, the Hollywood narrative Often closes uh, Those venues up Because it's the same story over and over Right
2: because it needs to be the same story over and over. I guess. Well, because, again, going back to, no, not going, but, but this is where the fiduciary mm-hmm. uh, model comes in where you go, okay, how do we sell this movie? And you go, how do we sell this movie? Yeah. How do we sell this movie? Well, let's sell it the way we sold the last one. Right, exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, and so, oh, my God. I've I mentioned this before, but I, I, can't, I don't remember the last I don't go to movies anymore. I don't watch TV anymore. I don't go to movies anymore. I read. I sit. I sit in front of the computer and I rant. And I scream and I rant and I read. And I listen to music and I cook and I
1: clean. And you create. And I create. And that's that's what you do. That's what we do. That becomes the joy in our life whether things are going uh, uh, poorly uh, economically or not. For us or for everyone? For us and everyone. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. Right. You would be doing it. No matter what you I, do, it uh, no matter
2: what. Right. Right. Who was I talking to about that very same thing? Um, I was talking to. to uh, oh, I was talking to Josh Funk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same sort of thing. Where you go? This is. A, w- w- we try to. I could not do anything else. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to.
1: I don't know how to do anything else. But I think that it's more along the lines of I don't want to do anything else. Mm-hmm. I do sometimes. I've I've tested video games and uh, right various things like that. That and was I, a long time ago, isn't it? It was a while back. Uh, yeah, it was about, yeah, maybe six, seven, eight years ago. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, on and off, every year for three months. Or... Who did that? Who connected you with that? Kevin Pearson. Right. He was in the uh, Butt Pirates. Right. Right. And uh, But uh, what I found out and there is the great potential for improvisational narratives within the video game. Right. Especially with these gigantic shells that they have. Oh, my God, such huge shells. Do you, do you play any of those games? Uh, not so much anymore. Uh, I took aspects of Grand Theft Auto because it had such a vast, the New York one, had such a vast shell, and I ripped video out of it. And knowing that you could uh, create your shots from any AI that's on the screen, uh-huh. you can start piecing together new narratives <laughs> within it. So I did a rant, a McLuhan rant. I'm really into Marshall McLuhan also. Uh-huh. Um, uh, a McLuhan rant where I used all the media on Times Square and other places, stole the helicopter just to set up the shot in the game, stole the helicopter, flew to the top top of Times Square, had my uh, main avatar jump out, and that's when I started filming. So I get a pan shot going across the Times Square building on his way of Mm -hmm. falling down. And then I stole the bus, put it in the middle of Times Square, blocked all the traffic, put him on top of the bus, and then I started my shot, so I could
2: <laughs>
1: catch things that fell into my narrative, which was about media talking to itself.
2: How? So, where's your movie? Where's your movie at
1: right now? Uh, we finished shooting. Uh, I'm we sorry. Have, tell me the name of it again. It's False Prophet. False Prophet. Yeah, we haven't started editing. I don't know what the deal is with that, but it's all... When everything you say, I, I don't know what the deal with that, what does that mean? That means that there's a delay in it for some reason that I, I can't fathom what it might possibly be. When you say delay, because I, I don't know, I, I, like your director and mm. producer and... Well, I am, I'm not officially a producer, although everybody in the movie is somebody I brought in. Right. Pretty much. So I'm not officially the producer. Uh, but you're the madman mad behind this whole thing. Yeah, and I think that's the fear
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many hours of film do you have 40 40 hours of film yes and so you got because uh, i remember mick talking about doing fatty drives a bus and saying oh
1: i fucked this one up because i didn't have enough coverage mm, well that's i know that about movies so i did i got the whole story from every person i shot
2: you got the whole story from, all, from everyone that you shot. Pretty much. Uh-huh. And did you get various angles on everybody that
1: you shot? Yes. Well, be, oh, you mean, what do you mean? Do you cutting? have more than one camera hitting Absolutely. somebody at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 I think we did a pretty good That's job of that. That's what I mean, that. coverage. We have a lot of coverage on that. Uh, uh, yeah, I think we're okay uh, with that. The thing is, with films or anything that you do, is that your outline is never the movie. Right. Right? Right. And uh, there's no way to go back and make it the movie.
2: Right. Well, it's a, like improvisation.
1: Right. And it's an improvised movie. So, of course, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take on a life of its own. Right. And I think that scares some people. Oh,
2: I would imagine it scares a lot of people. I yeah. would also imagine it scares any money person or it scares anybody that wants to promote or distribute this in any way, shape, or form right. b- b- going into it. Right. Because they don't know how they're going to go at it but it's also your relationship I would imagine your relationship with your editor has to be so substantial Mm -hmm. not just in terms of what product you've got but what statement you've got to make because this whole thing seems to be about as most movies are uh, about cutting it how you cut it
1: right and we have some you could take any one of the monologues or interviews that we did with people and they would most of them would stand on their own Pasquase is brilliant. I shot him in Lincoln Park on a really overcast day right next to the lagoon underneath this uh, kind of uh, sculpture that looks like ribs, animal ribs sticking on a thing. And and all I did was call him up and I said, I want you to be a TED Talk guy. And I wanted him to be an analyst, someone that is looking at the whole picture because that's what he's good at, right? He's terrific at that. And it is brilliant. And it's, the other thing I did in the film, which I'm very proud of, although this also scares people, is I like Jody Lennon was afraid to talk about the financial finances because she doesn't know anything about right. it. And I said, Okay, the Annoyance is a startup firm. Second City's Goldman Sachs. Right. What was what was the impetus for starting the Annoyance if you were called such and such company and they're Goldman Sachs? Right. And what what is it and so she talked about that and then so I I asked her about uh, what happened is your voice on it Uh, yes but I think we're going to replace that okay Um, there uh, I asked her so these yeah these aren't on-camera questions I'm asking her Mm -hmm. Right. um, I asked her um, what was the feeling when um, Brady Bunch hit
2: right The real life Brady Bunch, which
1: was at the Annoyance Theater back in the day. And she just starts talking and she comes to life about the exuberance and how insanely happy people were. And I put that in connection with the top of the the boom, right? And then I said, What happened after that? Right. And she said, We started losing people. Losing actors. Yeah, but she didn't say actors. We are right. talking about financial people. Got it. So ah, the firm it. starts disintegrating because right. of their success. Right. right? And not disintegrating. It starts to evolving th- into something else. Or diluting. Yes. Yes. Right. And so that made her very comfortable to talk about it in that way. Right. And same thing with Shepard. I said that to him, I said that uh, Shelley Berman and Shelly, but anyway, uh, Shelley Berman is uh, Lehman. Right. 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 So, right. so I right. said I'm going to say Lehman but I want you to talk about Shelley Berman. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so he did and it's it's brilliant. What's really
2: awesome about about the bones that that uh, of what you're talking about here the bones that all the meat has been laid upon is how important to to know what's going on in our society mm-hmm. and our culture and our history and all of that information and, and again, I'm going to go back again to you and to, to Jane like, the idea of know as much as you can know and then layer everything
1: upon that there is that aspect but there's also everybody's experience is valuable as, as long as you treat it in the same abstract way that an artist treats whatever their subject is talk more about that okay um, because we're pattern recognition machines mm-hmm. once we uh, in, uh, I'll give you this so in crea- the science of creativity mm-hmm. then I'm taking this from uh, uh, Dr. Duffy who wrote a, a, um, a her um, thesis her doctor's thesis on Neva Boyd and Viola Spolin mm-hmm. it's called The Roots of American Improvisation Neva Boyd yeah. I was saying Neva or Neva, Maybe it's Niva. All Right. I say never. I'm from Chicago. That's so okay. It's all right. right. It's okay, <laughs> me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, the first thing is uh, tolerance of ambiguity that we all need as artists. Tolerance of ambiguity means it, the less
2: specific. And this is what I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. The less, spe- the, the more specific it is, the less. You'll be
1: able to to mine the creative, your inspiration. You can't make the discoveries. You have to walk into it going, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Exactly. And to be okay with that. And every time you walk on stage, basically, you're walking on. That's where the state I get myself into is I don't know what I'm doing. Well, it's the beauty of viewpoints, too. Right, right. Because it's all about discovery. Right. right? So, in the second part, it's divergent thinking. It's like the top of the herald where you bust everything open. Uh right? So, you're creating multiple pathways to solve the same problem right right possibly multiple pathways right and the last yes keep going the last thing in creative theory is convergent thinking Mm. that's when you take the theme or whatever it is and you pull all those that divergent stuff back in and then you have a piece god damn it Yeah, it's it's tremendous (laughs) <laughs> well,
2: it's what Second City does.
1: That's what we all do, right? Watching us work on the pier, what you know, when we did the twenty-seven improvisers every Thursday night, right? Those right. Ryan okay. and you and Ian Gomez and Farley and whoever and Matt else.
2: Granig was showing up. That's right. And all the fucking people. I that were got there. to watch
1: what people were Second doing. City yes. Second City alumni. Yeah, Second City Got camp. to watch what people were doing as opposed to what's what dojo they came from, right? Because we also had Groundlings in there, and we had. Different g- generations of second city people, and it's
2: all those people. And I think that a lot of people, uh, uh, and this is the, this is the what did you what did you call it the bl- the what of ambiguity tolerance tolerance the of tolerance ambiguity. of ambiguity. And I think that that a lot of people went wait a minute the, the, that guy is not a second city person and that woman's not mm-hmm. a second city person and there's your tolerance of ambiguity right. going back into it going so the fuck what
1: yeah they're our tribe they're our tribes. Right. They all come from the same thing, including viewpoints. And I may be making this up, but this is what I understood, is that uh, M. Bogart Mm -hmm. watched a dance company in New York that already had laid out viewpoints from the… Mary Overly. Yes, from the vantage point of uh, dance. Right, but that it. She watched. I'm sorry. Anne, didn't Anne watch?
2: It wasn't Anne, an acolyte of Mary Overly, who who put the viewpoints together.
1: Yes, but that dance company, from what I understand, was Viola's sister Beatrice put that company together. Viola
2: Spolin's sister
1: Beatrice. Beatrice
2: Put the company together. Is this what you're telling me? That's what I Put heard. Put the company together.
1: That, that I may be making it up, but I don't think I am. Wait. Okay. Okay. Wait. 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 Viola Spolin's sister. Beatrice.
2: Viola Spolin, who is the the god the the, the mother. Of, she's not. She's the genius. She's, she's the real Neva genius. Boyd, okay. So Neva Boyd is Mary Overly, mm. Anne Bogart. Wait. Hold on. <laughs> because didn't Viola Viola study with Neva? She was her assistant. She was her assistant. As okay. Joe
1: Forsberg was uh, uh, Viola's assistant. Got it. Right.
2: So there's a parallel universe that's happening here but what you're saying is it's not just a parallel, it's, it's the same thing. That's
1: right. And the committee is also related to what we do and uh, how it's approached and it's, it becomes their version of what's necessary at that time. They, they called them the committee in San Francisco because I guess some of them were card-carrying uh, communists. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know what that means one way or the other. But they, they created, uh, I mean, the Herald comes from there. If you talk to Larry Hinkin, who you should interview. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they, they used, because they couldn't come up with a second act and at some time in San Francisco, they put the Herald in that they were doing the workshops and, and were performing a Herald live as part of their show. So you know none of these things are new it's not like it's not like uh, I mean they're new in, this, in the development sense of them, but uh, we're just re-referencing things that happened before
2: it goes It goes back to i don't own any of this shit no. and you don't own any of mm-hmm. this shit, and the people that I study with don't own any, don't own any of this stuff right. and nobody has anything, and it has to be okay.
1: But we also have to honor the legacy, and that's, that's we, what I'm talking we, but about. But we don't do that.
2: So, well,
1: when you say we don't do that, what do you
2: mean we don't do that?
1: I think that uh, uh, Viola's been trapped in a label of mother of improvisation, which I said. When she's an ongoing, ongoing creative entity, when you look at her uh, writings at Northwestern, and not, I'm not talking about writings about her work, because she was an an ex- note-taker when she worked for the park district you see the roots of improvisation in that right right you also there's talks with between her and Comos who was I believe her husband and she talks of, and this is in the 70s she's talking about the neurological transformations that happen through creativity mm-hmm. well that's current that's now right right that's right right, now. right. brain right. changes that happen. Right. things like that She's ta- she's looking at an article in Psychology Today or wherever it was, and she's talking, and Comos is taking notes, a lot of these are handwritten, <laughs> and she's talking about that. Right. And Neva Boyd and her both thought that there was a so- not just a sociological factor in it, but a brain-changing, consciousness-changing mm-hmm. aspect to uh, a, a approaching play and improvisation. I, I, there's something awesome about agreement and she knew it
2: she yes. knew it
1: well well, how could
2: she not know right. it because that's the foundation of everything right. that she's done right and and in that way she codified it and I'm going to say codified I don't mean like in, in a concrete way but she, she I'm going to say codified it again she codified it in a way that I could look at it and go oh, I know exactly what you're talking about and somebody else could look at it and go it's that, that, that isn't from my my universe can look at it and go I know what she's talking about from coming from that aspect and that aspect and that aspect well
1: she's teaching you to be in the book she's teaching you actually she's teaching teachers right to teach people right to to be practitioners
2: yes and that's what that whole book is about it's about a, a, and I love the way that you put that because improvisation for the theater right is about teaching teachers how to teach that right. but it's not it's not a Bible No, absolutely not. But I think that a lot of people look at it in
1: that way. I I am not a disciple. I can't be a disciple of anybody because... A lot of
2: the people that we know are disciples of Dell and I look at that going,
1: let that the fuck go. I think you would be uncomfortable to see a giant visage of him in every uh, theater that you walk in, too. Oh yeah. yeah! Oh, clearly right. so to have him
2: on the wall, like like uh, so, iconographic and it's
1: kind of Egyptian, really, uh, in, in the uh, the way that it's laid out. There's a deification of it in, that uh, has an Egyptian quality to it. I mean, like ancient Egypt, Egyptian quality to it. Viola is influenced by. Eastern European mystics, mm-hmm. right, Two, And that notion of Neva Boydsen comes out of kindergarten, play, learning through play in right. Germany. And, uh, and there. I guess there were, she was at the University of Iowa and things like humanist psychology comes out of the same thing. Is that, is that Iowa City? Uh, I don't know which, I think it's the okay. University of Iowa, but I'm not sure. Okay. But uh, uh, humanist psychology comes out of it, games people play, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Masters stuff, all that stuff comes out of the same thing. Right. And Viola and Neva recognize it as a, as a liberating tool. There's so much gibberish in Viola's thing because, on a practical basis, when you went to those park districts, Nobody spoke the same language. When you say
2: gibberish, you mean literally teaching yeah. gibberish. You yes. don't mean gibberish. And, okay, I'm just clarifying. Teaching people it. to
1: uh, uh, communication through gibberish. Right. Well, she was getting these people to tell their stories, but they spoke different languages. Right.
2: And so the, the, at that moment, what she's doing is she's having us connect on a deep tissue level.
1: Right, right. And Which is also kinesthetic play in, in viewpoints, viewpoints, too. Right. Ha, <laughs> ha. Right. Right. It's all the same. It's the same thing in jazz, where you are listening and responding kinesthetically to the other musicians. Right. Right? Right. It's coming through an instrument, but it's all physical. Right. It's all physical. And uh, the the idea of and it's uh, right. So
2: a jazz musician, their their emotional delivery system is their instrument. Right. Um, it's as is our, ours. And that's where i going. Is is our emotional delivery system is our uh, Instruments. Right. So when, so I'm going to go back to the work that I saw you and Jane do, and certainly that 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 one uh, utterback of Jane hunched over in that overcoat, you know that that Ooh. caricature that 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 he does. I'd look at that physicality, and I'd look at that, and that's clearly somebody's That's clearly Jane's emotional delivery system.
1: Except that probably she's
2: not feeling that emotion. No, no, no. But clear. But th- that's that's my. I get to interpret what emotion. No, 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 no. You know no. that's right, not right. what she's saying. Right. And so my interpretation of moaning of um, right. of, of, of Mingus's song moaning. That's not yours.
1: No. There's a who's the guy that started the uh, the uh, Victory Gardens? Uh, who was also asked Zaychek? Yeah, Dennis Zaycek mm-hmm. with Jane's teacher. Mm-hmm. She probably talked it. Yes, she did. Him. And. Uh, He would do this exercise where he would just, and I've done it maybe with you guys, where uh, you just change the body posture of the same story and suddenly emotion emerges for everybody, interpretation emerges from the physicality, not because you willed it or you motivated it. So I have a problem with projection of emotion in improvisation, I really do, in the sense that when you're projecting Who's projecting? The, an actor. If you say, walk on stage with a big emotion. Right. Oh, that, no, I definitely have a problem. That, that, that yeah. you are you're, you're, you're really uh, imposing on the discovery of anything that might happen.
2: And it has nothing to do with your partner.
1: That's right. It has nothing. And that's where the Meisner and the viewpoints, viewpoints come in.
2: Right. Because I'm walking on stage, I, and I, the way that
1: I put it is, I need you to tell me who I am. That's right. Me too. And we love that. Right. Because it gives us a much more powerful base from where to move.
2: Well, yes. And and for me, I feel that it's, it's, it's immediate collaboration. Right. Because I'm accepting that, and it goes back to the ambiguity of what? Tolerance of ambiguity. The tolerance of ambiguity. The idea of, I don't have to be right. right. I just have to be identified.
1: Mm-hmm. When your group, Stacy's Not Here, you guys used to start with that physical kind of... Thing where you do these little uh, movements that turned into what looked like a moment in the scene, and then you would place them within the show. Right? That connective thing that you uh, did at the beginning is uh, sets you up for discovery, connects you to the other player immediately. You already, even though you guys might not have called it kinesthetic at the time, you were playing kinesthetically, and uh, that the audience provides context before you do right? they just see what's happening I can't write a story that fast when I'm moving I can't right but the audience can they can provide context to it so knowing that if I'm playing kinesthetically or physically somewhere right at the beginning of the scene I don't have to have anything going on for the longest time because the audience is Putting context into whatever they see
2: happening. Absolutely. I, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. And what happens then is we're all connected in that that's way. That's right. Everybody Including on the stage. Audience. That's what I'm saying. Everybody on stage, and then the audience, and the audience, and everybody on stage. It goes back to being in that space in ETC and Almond, pa- plastic. Uh, 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 having the plunger right. and the audience reaching out.
1: It's, They're telling the story. And what a beautiful discovery that was the first time it
2: happened. Yeah, I, I remember it. It was, one of the most, it was one of the most fantastic things that has ever happened to me at Second City. Mm-hmm. I, it's probably one of the top three things that has ever happened to me. We're, we're watching it
1: and everybody's going, what the fuck is happening right, right. now? And, and to say, we are all one. That was an intention of, uh, when I was in the ATC, uh, that was a prime intention to engage the audience, at least in part of the show, where they were the other character, and we started doing that early. In, uh, and I mean, we all, I, we were inspired by things like PTA, right. right? Classic second city scene. Well, main stage scene. Right, but ours was more ambiguous. Mm-hmm. We would have beginnings, middles, and ends of scenes, and we had this whole well, beginning and end of scene, and we had this whole middle that we just let happen. Right. <laughs> like coffee shop, right. or uh, channeling, or any of those right. things. Where you
2: had, you had a beginning, or you had a scripted beginning right. and a scripted ending, right. and you were heading
1: towards. That's right. Right. And things may be repeated because you, you, you know, they become convenient that night because right. this and this happens. But I've, I always felt that when I was trans, uh, transported by what was happening in a show, I was totally engaged and totally loved it, and that comes from an earlier improvisation experience. My first teacher was Albert Williams. The is that re- the writer? Uh, the reader. The pre- reader critic. He also is a professor at uh, at Columbia. Right. I was walking down the street and I heard this music, and I walked in this doorway as a teenager. And there are these people, and they were hippies, and they invited me in. Mm-hmm. And they're doing this really uh, Spolin based improv games that they had translated to music. Mm-hmm. And it's because William Russo had been a partner of Paul's. Paul Sills. Uh, yeah, in the Body Politic. And mm-hmm. he started creating these wonderful free theater shows that were where uh, you had amateur musicians mm-hmm. and people both. Creating new scripted material and improvising within these shows, mm-hmm. and their workshop process was beautiful, mm-hmm. and it was connected with rhythm and sound and all these other things. So that that where was this? Oh, uh, that was that the this building on Sheffield. Uh, Near where Clark and Sheffield hit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. And it was the old theater building. Columbia College eventually bought it. Mm-hmm. But it also was at the Body Politic, too. Mm-hmm. On Lincoln. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there were free workshops. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to wander in, it was Paul thing, whoever walks in the door. Right. And they did beautiful <laughs> shows that inspired me as a, a kid. But then they disappeared. And then when I was in the Navy, my brother said, uh, when I got out, he said, you should be doing this Second City. Mm-hmm. And he brought me into Joe Forsberg's workshop. Uh-huh. I was home. I was home. You were home? Yeah, that was, I was home. Oh, you are fucking home. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: so I started performing immediately, uh-huh. which you shouldn't do, really. I was in, within two weeks, I was in coffee shops. You could do shop.
2: not, but you know not. Wait, within two weeks, what?
1: I was in coffee shops improvising. Yeah, coffee with shops, okay. okay. Right. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh-huh. and, and, with, and who knows what kind of crappy work we did, but I, was, I loved it. Who was in the group with you?
2: Oh, who was a, were some of the it was a like
1: girl that? named, oh, in that group, when I came into Joe Forsberg's workshop, uh, George Went was there, mm-hmm. and uh, Miriam Flynn, and uh-huh. Will Aldis, and Eric Boardman, right? and uh, I, so they were there, I was, I was new, mm-hmm. the people I played with were there was a woman named Molly Brown, who I believe is a writer, and kind of a Wiccan writer, uh-huh. and uh, I think she writes children's books in England, and um, just uh, various crazy people whose names I don't remember.
2: It's crazy, I'm gonna go back to this, I know I said this before, but I just can't believe how, what a, how verdant it was. I can't believe, I, I feel honored to be, to have, and it has nothing to do with me, right. that I happen to be at this place at this time, to be connected to the people that are like those people or those people and to know those people and to know who you're talking about and to say how inspiring it was
1: for you just to be at that place and to go, I'm going to say yes to this. Mm-hmm. And there were only, there, there were six spots at Second City. Right. So suddenly you had, not hundreds, but you had 30 or 40 improvisers that right. are going, well what about me? Right. And so we just started going to bars and asking if they'd build a stage and right. taking uh, either some of the ticket money or some of the beer money and, uh, you know, with the Sylvester's Reification Company, mm-hmm. St. Vitus Dancers, and Original Comedy Rangers. What a great name, St. Vitus Dancers. That oh, I love just, that name. That's the best name Because yeah, <laughs> there's an ambiguity to it. People right. start thinking dancers. <laughs> And you know, it's the shakes, right? The same about his dancers, right. <laughs> Jimmy Fay was in that, who was one of the greatest improvisers, absolutely, of all time. absolutely. Yeah.
2: And and all, it's so many. Oh my god, because I remember seeing Jimmy Fay, I remember seeing you guys, I remember yeah. watching and seeing the joy going back to that idea. It's of,
1: anarchy, it was total anarchy,
2: and and yet, in that anarchy, there it was. I'm I'm, I'm I'm going to be careful to say this and I don't mean this in this way. It's a controlled anarchy because right. it's contained right. in that space. Right. And you're able to go, I'm going to walk into this and this is what's happening once I cross this threshold. Right.
1: And we we, we did re-reference. We brought things back. We would go on journeys within the thing. We were doing the Herald before within the, there was a the Herald.
2: Within, within, within the piece. Right. We uh-huh. would
1: Because we got bored doing the pieces. Right. right? So we just broke them. We, we deconstructed them like the… That's what every good artist eventually does is they deconstruct the work. Right. That, that's what McLuhan is all about. It's mm-hmm. about deconstructing de- uh, the uses of technology, the, what happens with technology and how, what it, how it changes us.
2: And yet we've got to embrace that. that we've got to embrace the technology right. and understand the technology and don't fight the technology in order to, to, to break it apart.
1: That's right. Well, any new use that comes out of technology, someone out here did. The Twitter thing. Right. Whatever it is, somebody uses a device for something it's not going to be used for or to blow off an IED, even right. whatever it is, somebody creatively takes that technology and uses it for another purpose. Well you know, uh Costello, who's
2: the CEO of Twitter, mm-hmm. is an improviser. Yeah. From well, Chicago.
1: Right. And that's what that's what Mick changed the culture we changed the culture at Second City. Mm-hmm. With ETC, right. really, we truly did. And prior to us, the Thirty Years' War Company did because they were outsiders primarily, as Rob Riley, uh, uh, Mary Gross. Uh, this is the cast of the Thirty Years' right. War, the Second City show. Right, right. M- most of them weren't, you know, they weren't in Second City from a traditional road. It, but
2: that goes back to Bernie. Where we haven't talked about Bernie. Mm-hmm. Bernie bringing those people in.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, part of it's absorbing what, what's the disturbance in the uh, force, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, they, right. they did that with <laughs> us. They took two guys from the Comedy Rangers, Jimmy and me, and uh, basically absorbed that. Right. And uh, same thing with that. And, but Richard Kine, too, right? Yes, from practical. From practical. So all, you, all institutions need to be constantly disrupted. Right because what happens in the disruption is that it evolves they it doesn't second city and it didn't become the annoyance because Mick was there but it absorbed what Nick uh, what Mick brought in and it changed the culture not in an annoyance way but in a second city way adopting the deconstruction right where eventually uh, Kechter and those guys just they don't have a stage even. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right, so, <laughs> right. So you have to disrupt. You have to disrupt the culture all the time. And WikiLeaks, any of that stuff. And you, you also need have to it. keep
2: your finger on the culture to know what the culture is. Not to not to insulate yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? to, like to be inspired by things. And again, going back to you know, you're, you're somebody saying, "Turn that music down. It's noise. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's yes. what's happening."
1: That's right. And that you absorb it and eventually we become unconscious that we absorbed it.
2: Right. Right. And, and, but we've got to make it okay.
1: hmm Well, definitely we do. And, but but we, bring, we, we bring the whole bus with us. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't drop it because there's a new fad.
2: No. No, 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 no. I don't know how you do that. How would you
1: do that? How would you do that? For limited w- times people do. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, well, like when you codify an improvisational approach, got it. You are you're ignoring what's happened before.
2: Well, you're looking at it. Hopefully, you're looking at it in a way we're going. Okay, we're going to
1: look at this right now in this way in order to then open it up. No, but if once it becomes a commodity and you're selling it, that becomes a threat got to it. your culture. Got it. Right. Got it. And then then you have outsiders like me that's hanging around or other people that can't get in there. Right. Who, who break it up again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, and it, it happens over and over, and then it becomes, it becomes, for you know, at some point someone figures out how to make money on it, and that becomes the problem, really, ultimately. <sighs> right. not, not that money's bad, but that at a certain point, in order to continue the expansion, you have they make choices that limit the product. It's what capitalism does. If I, ca- I need to create something that I pay very little to produce, but I could sell it at a, a nice margin. Well, that means I have to get people marketed, used to the idea of loving junk, right. of loving something that's less than, right. and going, you love this, <laughs> you pay for this. It doesn't cost me anything to produce, but here, you take it. Right. And then the, the, the producers of it, like the auto workers or whatever, but in our case, uh, teachers, if everybody's getting the same stipend, not because it's democratic, but because it's the lowest possible stipend that you can possibly give them. Right. You are you, you're shrinking the base of your creative uh, core. You're shrinking it in a way that, uh, that denies new discovery. Right. Right. You, you look at people that disrupted Second City. Nate Herman's one of them. Right. Well, you, uh, you, right. Danello and, and uh, Colbert. Colbert. Um, there's a lot of them And though. Amy, certainly Amy. Yes. There's a lot of, that from that from that uh, thing prior to that, the 30 years. When you or say company. thing, what do you mean thing? From that to, thing? From, from that group? Yeah, from that group, from Got that it. time. Uh-huh. Uh, you had uh, the Belushi crew, the John Belushi crew, right. that basically are outsiders coming into the madhouse.
2: Well, you also had uh, 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 Tom Janis mm-hmm. coming in. With um, Bob Oldenkirk, well, well, Tom Janis, Odenkirk, Kenny Campbell, Scott Mm -hmm. Allman, all those people coming in from uh, from Players Workshop. That's right. And uh,
1: but they also had had another show that they were doing outside. That's what I mean. Dogs Life. Right. They were doing Dogs Life, including Oldenkirk, who didn't get hired that time around. Right. And he ends up. on... they do that Tomb thing with Conan and those other guys. Right. And Jill Talley and those guys, and. He, he's, he lands at SNL and then comes back to have this experience that he missed. The Second City
2: experience where he hooked and up Michael with And Michael uh, McCarthy. And, right, exactly. Yeah. And you, but, right, right. It's crazy. It is. Because crazy. It, but, but there's also something to be said about Second City just in the way that they go, what's out there? Because they do pull these people in. And
1: when they finally become a problem, to some extent, Right. <laughs> right, right, right yeah, well, they, they, we both know that. Yeah, um, I, I think that the further that gets and it's there, the further it, what gets? Second City, the entity like Second City, gets into the corporation of it, and where you actually start seeing that uh, your touring, uh, your boat tour thing, and your workshops the, make, the, make way more money than your main stage show. Right. That you, you start worrying about, well, we, the main stage show has got to make more money, so we have to change the, the, the culture to fit, to, to fit that. And it's like, no, you don't have the other things if you don't have the constant disruption that's happening on the main stage. Right. You don't have a theater company if you have a 600-person workshop where the guys at the bottom are going, oh, I have to be just like those guys at the top. Oh, boy. As opposed to the outsiders going, I'm I'm do, that's right that's right exactly and then them getting absorbed into the, right. the picture right right
2: those are the but I, I look at those people and, and, and I go I, they were the disruptors that's right every one of them every one of them Tina yeah. Tina Fey yes. disruptor Anna McKay
1: fucking disruptor right. now, but, even uh, uh, Ali absolutely they get fired numerous times right, right.
2: Well, George Wang caught fire numerous times, but for That's different it. reasons. Right. But Ali certainly was, you know, coming in with the trench coat and the bowler hat, mm-hmm. and going, "What the fuck? Who the fuck is that?" Mm-hmm. And I'm... Amy and Steve, Amy Sedaris, Steve Colbert, and Paul Dano. This That's triptych it. where you that you couldn't fucking get in. There's no daylight between those three right, people. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing with. Tom Janis, Scott Ullman, Kenny Campbell, mm-hmm. you know, there's no daylight between those two. And yet, Tom Janis was the one that put Pinata Full of Bees together. Mm-hmm. He was the director of that show, which fucking opened everything up, That's which right. also brought more Dell in. Right. It, was, it was the reinvigoration of
1: that. Right. Yeah, and, and, and you just said something that just made me want to uh, respond. To that, and I forget what it was. Uh, the
2: Daylight, uh, those three guys, you know, I, I listed all those people off.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there's something, I mean, that, that, those guys have created a gigantic impact on the culture. Which guys? Uh, Colbert, Colbert, Danilo, Danilo and, and, and Amy. Amy. And Amy and David. And
2: Rouse, too. too.
1: Right. Oh, I know what I was gonna say, and then there's people out that never got into Second City that are powerful improvisers, and great, like Jay Leggett, Right. Who you go? Well, this guy is impeccable, right. and uh, he's in he's in the culture. Evan Gore doesn't uh, tremendous improviser right. doesn't really get in, uh, to to exist in those in those companies, and he should. Right, it's birthright, you know. Absolutely, uh, and and uh, and that's why when we did the alumni show, we had guests because number one. They're our tribe. And number two, there's some sort, there's a creative connection between Rick Overton and all of us. Absolutely. Oh my god.
2: Yeah. Okay, we gotta stop
1: there. Okay. We'll
0: stop at Rick Overton.
2: Thank you so much. Oh thank you. That was awesome.
0: Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com. Just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDCOMEDY at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDCOMEDY.com.
2: Hello, ADD Comedy podcast listeners. Dave Rozowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski. I'm Ian Foley.